I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Katie. She has long COVID. Let's talk about it. Oh, yeah. Taylor's not here uh, because yeah. he had a baby yesterday. Oh, amazing. Congratulations. So, yeah. That's exciting. So he's on uh, he's on daddy duty until, well, who knows? We have his dog yeah. here. We, we have, we're taking care <laughs> of his dog. Um, uh, yeah, Katie, I'm, I'm really glad that uh, we've we've found some time to sit down and chat with you. This is going to be a really interesting conversation um, because um uh, Katie, you had COVID and, and, and now I say that and everybody yeah. goes, Oh, well, who fucking didn't? Yeah. Uh, and I'm Not sure, I, I'm sure I, Hey, I didn't, we shouldn't even say this <laughs> while we're recording because like, well, here's my point. Here's yeah, my point. Right. We all know someone, we all know someone who's gotten COVID, but we don't, I, I don't know many people that have ended up with this thing that we've all, I mean, I, I'm hoping all of us have at least heard of, which is uh, the term long COVID. And uh, Katie, that is you. That's why you're you're in the That's hot me. seat today. You're yeah. the long you're the long COVID patient, and um, and I know that it's uh, you've had a really fucked up past year and a bit. Um, but uh, before we get into it, I'm I'm actually trying. I'm racking my brain as to how I came across you and your story, and I I have no idea. All I know is that I somehow stumbled onto your Instagram account. Yeah, I think we have actually a couple of mutual friends. And so okay. that, that's maybe why. Okay, maybe that's how. Okay. And I remember yeah. seeing your account being like, whoa, shit. <laughs> like you, you were posting some like really kind of um, eye-opening stuff in your stories that that made me really stop and pause and go, whoa. I, like I know we've been, we've, you know, we've covered long COVID and Feel Good Friday episodes, stuff that's mm-hmm. come out in terms of like what, what is currently in the literature. And it, it sounds really fucky, but then when you actually like get to peer into someone's life, who's dealing with it, it it's, uh, like I said, it's very eye opening. Um, mm-hmm. so I guess to, to hand it over to you, Katie, first of all, introduce yourself to our listeners. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, um, take us back to the, the very beginning of like, when COVID entered your life and effectively changed your life? Yeah. Okay. Um, so my name is Katie McLean and, uh, I've been speaking up about the long COVID experience. Um, I guess since I became, you know, work, you know, a long hauler, that's another term that's kind Mm. of used. So the whole thing is, is a bit confusing at this point. I just want to preface this, um, because, it's a real big spectrum and it hasn't yet been super defined, but, but what we can just generally say is it's post-viral illness. And this is actually not a new thing. Like I have had a lot of bed rest and I've been mostly housebound for the last 18 months. Whoa. Um, yeah. Fuck, so, 18 months. 
I'm, I'm going yeah. to my 19th month and listen, I'm listen, I'm doing so much better than I was last year, but I'm a shadow, a shadow of my former self at this point, like today getting dressed and talking to you guys is going to be the only thing I do. And then I'm going to have to rest for the rest of the day. So mm-hmm. my capacity to do things is extremely limited. So, um, anyway, uh, also, um, one of the side effects of long COVID is like cognitive dysfunction. Sure. So I'm probably going to lose track of what I'm saying all the time. And you're going to have to bring me back to whatever the question was. Or it's okay. I have to so, do it with Brian all the time. Say, he's got ADHD. And so I'm always <laughs> reeling him back in. Don't I worry. Say, I got yeah. you guys. I don't even have okay. that. You, got, you guys are in good hands. You're <laughs> both in good hands. Honestly, you don't want it. It, it feels like this is the best. And again, like my cognitive function has improved significantly. It was so bad. Um, like in the first few months after I got COVID that I couldn't remember something that happened like two minutes before. So at one point I was in the kitchen. This is a couple months after having COVID, like getting glass of water. And I guess I hurt myself somehow. I scraped up my arm and immediately after I had no idea what happened. It was terrifying. Mm. Um, so yeah, I still have a lot of kind of fogginess and, and that's, part and parcel. But anyway, so going back to the original question, I think you said, how did this start? Yeah. Well, well, even, even before let's, let's go even, let's go even before that. Um, yeah. Like who was Katie pre COVID? So, so before I got COVID, um, you know, one of the hot topics around this whole pandemic has been pre-existing conditions, right? Like that, Mm. that, Listen, I had one. It was endometriosis. That was my pre-existing condition. Um, I had a couple of things that were kind of related to that as well. Um, but that was my main thing. So mm-hmm. I had dealt with, you know, chronic pain and fatigue and like other things that come from having kind of a chronic um, health thing going on. But nothing in my life has ever compared to my experience having COVID. And it was when I got sick, it was September, 2020. So at that point I live in BC. Um, we hadn't seen a lot of cases. Mm. Oh, sorry. I'm tough. See, look, I already got off track. First I'm telling you what I did before. So I used to work full time. I had a really, you know, busy job. I worked for an urban planning firm. I traveled a lot. I had a really active social life. I, you know, was very physically active. I walked everywhere. I biked, uh, you know, I was doing yoga, you know, a couple times a week and I used to run. And anyway, I, I liked being outside hiking, mm. traveling, very full kind of busy life. Um, mm. Haven't when, been able to do any of that stuff since I got sick. Yeah, and when yeah. the pandemic started, did you, did you move to like working from home? And I did. Yeah. So I was really privileged in that I was able to um, work from home. And so we, my office closed like March 13th. Uh, we started working from home at that point. And, you know, it was, I lived alone at the time. So it was, it was like quite isolated. And, and I have always had a bit of a sensitive body. So I kind of was like, you know what, I don't want to really fuck around with this virus. Like mm. I'm going to do my best to not get it. So I, you know, in the beginning, I was taking a lot of precautions. I was wearing masks before it was mandated. Um, and I wasn't really spending time in public spaces. Um, so how I got COVID is a 
great mystery that will never be solved. Uh, I was only seeing, you know, my family pretty much like very few people um, and mostly in outdoor settings. And other than that, just doing essential errands, like going to the bank or, you know, groceries. Mm-hmm. Um, however, uh, you know, I, I got sick and I had a, my experience is not like the experience that, you know, you hear where, especially now it's like, oh, I, I had a sniffle and it was no big deal. I got rocked. Mm. <laughs> and this is like pre-vaccine, mind you as well. Right? Yeah, like yeah, there yeah. Was early no, days. Yeah. Yeah. It was early days. So in BC, um, there hadn't even been very many infections at this point. Um, it, so it was like six months after, you know, the whole pandemic blew up and everything locked down and, you know, we were all kind of adjusting to that. Um, so, and nothing's been the same for me since. So I have not been able, I haven't been able to work mm-hmm. since I got sick. When, when you got sick, did yeah. you like, how did, how did you get a test at that time? Okay. So, um, I was able to access a PCR test and thank God, like I'm constantly advocating for testing and I know we're kind of just removing it like crazy. And the reason is, is because I have been in a very fortunate situation where I had that positive test. And so it wasn't like when all these weird things started going wrong with my body, it wasn't a great mystery, Mm-hmm. You know, and some of the people from the first wave who are still long haulers now, like mm-hmm. in their second year, um, a lot of those people weren't able to access testing. So I uh, started to feel really tired for about a week, just really fatigued. And, you know, I thought I was just stressed out. I was like, whatever, I'm stressed out. I've been working too much. And um, I went camping <laughs> for for the weekend with a couple of friends. And that seemed like the safest thing to do at that time. And I came home and I was like, wow, I'm just like that camping really wore me out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then I started feeling like I had a head cold, you know? And I was like, whatever, I'm going to get a test just to be sure. I, I absolutely thought like that it would be negative because out of everybody that I knew, I seemed to be taking as many precautions as I could. Mm. Um, so I didn't expect it to be positive and I'd had contact with such a few amount, like very, very, like I could count on one hand, how many people. Did you also, (laughs) did you also feel as though like, well, if I had COVID, I'd probably be feeling way more fucked up than I feel right now. I did think that I did. And, and, you know, I got the test and I was absolutely shocked when it came back, um, uh, positive. But for me, it was like a slow burn beginning of it. Mm. So I got my worst symptoms between, uh, they started the second week, things started amping up. So I didn't lose my sense of smell until about 10 days in. Mm. Um, yeah. So it wasn't like an instant thing, but it was, it was like my smell literally disappeared completely. Like, you know, I'm sure you've heard stories about Mm -hmm. about this, but Mm -hmm. it, it was like, I literally could not smell eucalyptus oil. Like, nothing, not even a trace. And I couldn't taste anything. So food was just disgusting. It was like, it just felt like plastic in my mouth, you know, that I was just different textures, but no, nothing. It's funny. My, my initial reaction is that that has to be the, one of the worst possible, um, symptoms of of COVID. I mean, even worse than that is, is it when it's, and I don't know if this was your case, Katie, but like Uh when, when you start getting your olfactory 
senses yeah. back and it, and it's and it's all fucked up. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, like you're just smelling shit everywhere, and yes. like that's it. Did did, did that, that happen? Yeah. No, really way. Yes. And was it was it like was it the was it rot? Like was the what was it, this? So for me, um, I actually had I lost my um, my senses twice. So. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. So the first time, and for some people, like some long haulers still don't have them back. Right. Like this can be, it doesn't always come back. So it was, you know, and I mean, I guess, I don't know. You you don't really think about your sense of smell as being so vital, but absolutely is. And it was horrible not being able to smell. I hated it. Mm. Um, but so the first, the first round during my acute COVID, I guess it was two months before I started being able to have any smell come back. Mm. Um, and then at the six month point I had a massive relapse and I lost my smell again. And so went through it again. But when it, when it first started coming back, uh, everything smelled and tasted like ash. So smoke and ash is the only thing I could smell. And at the time it was very confusing because there was also wildfires going on in BC. Sure. You know, so I was, so I couldn't open my windows in my apartment or anything because it was just like thick smoke outside. I, so I couldn't tell what was what, right? God but everything, but then also all I could smell was shit. And oh my God, <laughs> it yeah. wasn't like rot. It was literally like, like feces, an, like, like an animal has gone to the bathroom shit. right beside me. Yeah, right. Um, all the <laughs> time. It's funny. I think I said this on the podcast once before, uh, maybe on a feel good Friday, but I was at my mom's house like probably um, a year ago. Um, during, obviously during COVID and, uh, I went into the, uh, cupboards and I grabbed a bag of chips and I opened them up and I ate one and I couldn't taste them. And I was like, holy fuck, I have COVID. And I ate another one and I was like, there's absolutely no taste here. I for sure have COVID. And so I took the jar of peanut butter out of the cupboard and I took a big glob on my finger and I, I ate it. And I could taste the peanut butter. And I was like, whoa, these are just the worst chips I've ever had in my entire <laughs> life. With no, they were just like stale old chips and had no well, flavor. I mean, and I was like, oh, thank God. I mean, that's just it with this whole thing, right? It's like you have, now it's like anything can happen. Like I'll start sneezing. For me, it's like I get tripped out all the time because I can't tell <clears throat> if something's long COVID, new COVID, or like a cold or something, sure. yeah, right? right? Yeah. So uh, all the time I have to, I'm constantly doing tests because I have these constant um, flare-ups, we'll call them, mm. I call them, where suddenly I'm, I feel super viral again and I'm, you know, having mm. all the symptoms of something mm-hmm. and I can't ever tell what it is. And so it's hard to even know like, oh, shit, you know, is it yeah. okay for me to visit my grandma? I don't know, it's yeah. long COVID, new COVID or a cold or something. favorite one-hit wonder or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have or that tv show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon now what if we could fix it i'm francesca ramsey and i'm delon grant and after 20 years of friendship we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called let me fix it each episode we'll dig into our favorite celebrities shows and brands of yesteryear and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today think of our show as an intervention but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts.
Something I'm really curious about is like, is the, so the process of your COVID experience from the, uh-huh. from the early stages, um, you know, so again, I was saying at the top of this, like, like we all know someone who's had COVID, right. And, and, yeah. and everybody that I know who's had it, it's pretty broad spectrum of like what it sort of what the experience is like. My mom was the first person I knew, knew who got it mm-hmm. and it was yeah. really mild. Like she, she really didn't feel much. Uh, she had like, you know, whatever, like min- minor cold symptoms. Um, mm-hmm. Um, but I've, I've got a couple of friends that got it and it like, it, it laid them out pretty badly for a few days. Um, but for those folks, the people that had it and had it sort of worse off than someone like my mom, um, like day six, day seven, somewhere around there, they started to, and this is more recent, right? Like since Uh Omicron, they kind of come around and they're like, oh, I'm starting to feel better. Like the brain fog is lifting. I'm having more energy. And like, there's a clear, there's a clear, um, sense that they are, they are kind of seeing the light again and starting yeah. to feel better. Uh-huh. When you had COVID, um, did you did you experience that at all? And, Ever, and never, and I still haven't. <laughs> so, so it, it literally was just like you you got it, and then from that day forward, there was no relief. It just like it was just constant fuckery from then on. But it's changed, right? It has it evolves. So sure. It's, my just to kind of go back to that so I had I was in my acute COVID period for four weeks where my symptoms just kept building and getting more and more and more intense and you know things were changing and new symptoms were coming on um so I had the acute and at the time again this was pretty new so you know that was when all the contract tracing was happening so you know everybody in my family that I had had any contact with was also isolating I was on quarantine um, from public health for 31 days. And they couldn't, like, the idea was that I wasn't released from quarantine until my symptoms resolved, but they just didn't resolve. Mm. They kept changing though, is what Mm. happened. And I know, um, you know, I can't speak for everybody with long COVID because there's different experiences. Some people have like a very mild or asymptomatic case, and then they feel like they recover. And then a couple months later, new weird stuff starts happening. And so it's not, I think that it's a real, like, it's really confusing because first of all, it's this huge spectrum where you have people who are, you know, literally bed bound for extended amounts of time. And who even knows, like at this point, I, I kept in the early days, I kept thinking, oh, well, this is temporary. This is temporary. Mm -hmm. Like I'm going to slow, it's just a slow recovery. I just have to keep convalescing. Now at this point, Um, I don't know if I, I don't know, I don't know what my future looks like. I don't know how my body's going to respond if this is like a progressive disease process. So I also have, I'm one of those unlucky people who has like organ damage and secondary complications from my COVID infection. Um, so I don't know yet how all of this looks next year or the year after that, or, you know, if I'll ever be able to walk around the block again or Mm. after like during those first four weeks where, where, and in that acute phase, when things are starting to build, um, I imagine if like I was in your shoes and two weeks into that, um, I wasn't starting to feel better. I I would probably start to worry and, Oh yeah. And, um, (laughs) you know, to the point where I like, I might think like, Oh fuck, I need to go to the hospital. And I know for like, a while, I feel like it was like, oh, oh, like I don't know if you guys felt this way, but I, f- I felt like if I had COVID, 
I would feel like I probably shouldn't go to the hospital because yeah. you know, like the last place you want to go Absolutely. is spread COVID around the hospital. And mm. you know, totally. unless you get like really, 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 really sick, then it doesn't make really make sense to go. Exactly. So like, did you at some point during the four weeks, like feel like, Oh fuck, like I'm not getting better. Maybe mm. I need to go to the hospital. Well, I had, so again, because I had that positive test, I had, you know, my doctor was checking on me every right. week over the phone. I had public health calling me every day because it was in the early days and, you know, not a lot was known at that time. Mm -hmm. And I did things like, you know, I got a pulse oximeter so I could check my blood oxygen at home and um, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I did actually, I wasn't ever admitted to the hospital, but I did present at ER because I had really intense chest pain and shortness of breath. Mm -hmm. So uh, I did end up going to the hospital where, you know, then they wanted to do all my vitals and give me a chest x-ray and see if I had the COVID pneumonia going on, like that opaque broken glass business in the lungs. And, um, you know, I didn't end up having to be admitted. Um, and it's like, okay, we'll just go home and kind of see what happens. But it was really weird because, you know, the messaging we had at that time is like, oh, it's two weeks and you either get better or you die. Basically, yeah, there was yeah, not like yeah, there was yeah. no conversation, and even still to this day, like the thing that's been the most frustrating for me is, you know, being actively in- impacted in an ongoing way from this pandemic, and the conversation is still that it's still it's like nobody's counting morbidity, like nobody's checking to see how many people are disabled and no longer able to work, and you know all of this stuff. It's mm. like we don't have any of our leaders having these conversations with the public. And so the public, I feel like doesn't actually understand that this is, uh, this is like, it's not just a binary of, you know, death or hospitalization and, you know, uh, serious illness or um, easy breezy. Yeah. I mean, like when was the last time anyone has ever heard anybody talking actively about therapeutics, you know, like, like the only thing we've ever really heard is, is vaccines and boosters and that's it. Like there's no, there, there's no discussion that really like essentially there's no discussion about options for therapeutics or, Mm -hmm. but, but again, you know, again, it's also, it's still so new right like and and that's the the, and that's even even to this discussion about long covid like there's so much that we just i'm assuming that we don't know but yeah to that point um uh, what do we know or or at least what like in according to the literature or the things that you've heard like what do we know about long covid so like you know you had said earlier that you don't have Aside from endo, like you didn't, you didn't really have any like pre-existing conditions. Yeah. Um, but like, are there, are there trends that we're seeing with long oh, COVID? Yes. Like who are the people typically yeah. getting it? Okay. So this is absolutely, I'm pretty nerdy about the research and try mm-hmm. and stay on top of it as much as I can, just because I want to help myself and be able to advocate for myself with my healthcare team. Um, and also to be able to help like other people I know who are, and, and listen, there's right now it's estimated that we have like 300,000 people with long COVID in Canada. Whoa. whoa, I didn't know that. That's wild. That's that's an estimate because this is Mm -hmm. based on, so the problem is, is nowhere in the world has been keeping track. And so like in the UK, the 
the, you know, they, they've been keeping track maybe the best with, with the Office of National Statistics. And there in the UK, there's 1.3 million people who have or have had long COVID. Wow. And so you have, again, this huge spectrum where there's some people who have ongoing symptoms, but like they can mostly function in their life, right? Like they can still, they're still living their lives in the same way, but you know what, maybe they have some shortness of breath, maybe they get fatigued easier, maybe they have new allergies or, you know, some new weird things happening with their bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's people who are just fully out of commission, you know, who are, you know, I, there's definitely a lot of people who are too sick to even like do an interview, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's such a big spectrum. So some of the trends, um, that have definitely become apparent is uh, like three quarters of long haulers are born female. So, Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So there's, you know, for me personally, um, COVID has flipped on like autoimmunity for me. I've had, I've been diagnosed like since having COVID, I now have an autoimmune skin condition. So I got like viral rashes when I got COVID and they still have not gone away 18 months later. I ended up having a biopsy on them. Turns out they're um, like autoimmune. So lupus, um, which I didn't have before I had COVID. Sure. And, (laughs) and um, there's so many different things that aren't like there's, a lot of small fiber neuropathy is being seen in people who have long COVID. There's definitely changes to the brain, um, like shrinkage of, you know, the gray matter as well as, you know, strange spots and lesions on scans. Um, there's obvious, the biggest, I think research that's come out recently is, um, that vascular damage and heart damage seems to be a big problem. Right. And even for people who aren't necessarily like, this is something I think the public should know because it's like, if you do have a COVID infection and then you start to develop some strange new symptoms and maybe it's like months down the line, like you want to get that checked out. Yeah. And I think without, without that messaging, like people don't have that awareness. They just think, okay, I had COVID. I'm fine now. Everything's fine. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't necessarily relate it back to suddenly you know, they're a young, healthy person who has raging high blood pressure all of a sudden. Mm. Um, So some other trends um, other than is, is like uh, diabetes, right. Is, is kind of a risk factor for long COVID. And um, I was just reading something about this. Uh, If you have a high viral load, so this is why they think maybe vaccines are helping is because it reduces potentially your viral load and how, how long it takes your immune system to say, Oh, invader, let's figure this out. Right. Right. So, um, so the idea is less potentially long COVID with vaccines, but still maybe around 10% of cases. So I don't know, what does that look like for our economy and for healthcare, right? Going forward, it's a huge burden. Not only that, it's mostly in people who are working age long COVID. So it's between the ages of like 30 and 60, but especially in the ages of, you know, the late 30s, kind of early 40s is a real hot spot for long COVID. Wow. I wonder wonder how much of that, I wonder how much of that, I, and this is all speculation. We, we uh-huh. I, like, we're not going to know this for years, but yeah. like, I wonder how much of that plays into the, the 
amount of people contracting COVID within those age groups, you know, like, yeah. like, like, do we have a higher amount of people in their thirties and forties getting COVID than we do of people in their sixties? And therefore mm. we're seeing j- just by those numbers, we're just seeing more long COVID in those people. Um, Possibly. Do like, you want me to bro science yeah. speculate or do you <laughs> bro, bro science me up, dude? Uh, well, I, I'm, I'm curious, like the recent conversations that we've had about, um, about the, people who are born female and their increased likelihood of having autoimmune disorders. Yeah. Um, mm. It's like 90% yeah, right. of yeah. autoimmune disorders are in, in women. And right. yeah. uh, a lot of that is <clears throat> like the recent studies that we've, we've referenced from the radio lab episodes that talk about, um, you know, women and their autoimmune function being affected by, uh, the fact that they give birth and yeah. create mm-hmm. a placenta that doesn't mm-hmm. share the mm-hmm. same DNA as them. It, j- it just seems like, may- hey, maybe there's like some sort, some of, sort of switch or something fucky that's happening. Yeah. And, um, that's, and that's I, in some of the literature, it shows that there's been there's like tends to be more um, mortality mm-hmm. with men, but more morbidity with women. So more mm-hmm. disability, autoimmune. So. I mean, right now, I think they, there's a few different ideas of like, what is long COVID? What is the mechanism? And so far, the theories that are floating around right now are microclots. I don't know. Have you heard about that? No, no. Microclots. So, um, yeah, there's, there's some research going on in Germany um, about microclots where, you know, it, there's a lot of things that won't come up on um, our standard kind of tests. So if you have a big blood clot, like your D dimer might be really elevated. But if you have microclots all over your body that are kind of just clogging up your everything and not allowing oxygen to get to tissues, it's kind of creating this whole situation in the body. Yeah. Basically they've been doing tests on, um, long haulers and finding that pretty much everyone has microclots in their blood. They've got busy ass, lazy rivers. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Remember yeah. That? Yeah. Traffic in the lazy river. Yeah. That's it. Exactly. The blood, the too, blood cells. Too many, are too many the, people tubing. Yeah. The blood cells are the tubes. They're bunching <laughs> up because it's yeah. just a fucking. They've been yeah. they've been cooped up since COVID. Yeah. Now yeah. Theme parks are open. That's and right. Fucking. And you know, people up. are so desperate for for like treatment or to try something to try and get some kind of like you know yeah. function back that there's, they're doing a treatment called aphoresis, um, again, in Germany, where it's like dialysis, where they filter, they take all your blood out, and they kind of get those microclots out, and then they put it all back in. What was that word you said? Was that like the German word for dialysis? (laughs) Well, it's a little bit different than (laughs) dialysis. um, Aphoresis? Aphoresis, yeah. Yeah, I might be pronouncing it slightly wrong, but... That's good um, for me. I think think it's it's German, it's aphoresis. Aphoresis. (laughs) Some some other uh, theories right now that are uh, on the table is, yeah, is that like COVID creates like a new autoimmune disease in certain individuals, about 10% of individuals, um, which Mm. then goes on to like attack your own tissues. And then there's the idea of viral, viral persistence, which is you know, you don't have necessarily active replicating virus in your body, but there's still, you know, fragments and proteins and RNAs and that are kicking around and your body's, your immune system is continuing to respond to those. Does that mean that like you, uh, like, like if you test for COVID, yeah, like with long, long haulers testing for COVID, is it, 
it's not necessarily going to come back positive. No. Right? So they would have to do tissue biopsies in order to find, right. so, and which they have been doing on in autopsy, right? They'll be like, oh, interesting. All of these, or there's a test right now in, in the, or sorry, a trial going on in the US right now where they're, when people um, who have long COVID have to have surgery, say, they're saying, oh, you can take, you know, part of my tissue and, and have a look at it and see if there's any COVID oh, wow. in there. Oh, wow. And so they have been finding COVID in like breast tissue and appendixes. Wow. Um, yeah. So then, so there's this viral persistence idea that it's like maybe some immune systems can't clear it or it's like hiding out in your gut or it's somewhere it's in there. It's continuing to create this immune response, which is making you feel like you're sick forever. Um, I, I can't help. It's <laughs> crazy. I, I can't help but think about how, like, uh, again, all the stuff that we're hearing you say, yeah. it, it's, it, it is, it, it, it seems like this, this like Olympic sized pool of information that's just all floating around and none of it's really connecting it, but it's all related to, it's all in the same pool. Right. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's giving me a lot of sort of, um, it, it's making me think a lot about the, the notion behind chronic Lyme disease, yes. yeah. you know, yeah, and so you have, people, you have people that come down with Lyme and then the Lyme has gone and, but then they have these persisting like things that are happening in their body. That's obviously fucking them up. Yeah. And then of course they go and they seek treatment for this thing. And you know, you've got, you've got one school of thought in physicians out there where they're going, well, chronic Lyme isn't a thing. There's something going on mm-hmm. here, but we don't know what it is and we don't yeah. know how to categorize it. So like that's kind of where we're at. But then you've got this other, this other side of the, 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 you know, school of thought that's like, well, we call it chronic Lyme. And, and then of mm-hmm. course you, and then everybody who, who, who has, is dealing with that thing again, they're, they're either like putting their hands up going, I have chronic Lyme, I have chronic, yeah. chronic Lyme. And then you have the other people that are like, well, well, that's not even yeah. a thing. So we don't know what to call it. Yeah. And, and, and of course it causes so much distress for people that are in that situation, uh-huh. people doing, you know, trying to, people who are just so desperate trying to find ways to treat this thing that they know is going like, on. Obviously I'm fucking yeah. sick, dude. Yeah. I wasn't yeah. sick before. And so it's like gaslighting from totally, all angles. From all angles, yeah. from the fucking illness, from the physicians, from the, yeah. the community, like it's everywhere. Yeah. And I feel like we're, you know, for, for someone like yourself, Katie, like, fuck the next couple of years is just going to be such a pain in the dick. Like it's going to be so annoying <laughs> yeah, I don't to, know if, to have I don't to sift Katie through all this. Dick, so I'm sure <laughs> yeah. one of the things that I, I want to like, just be uh, kind of like sp- specifically dive mm. into with, with your particular case. Um, yeah. When, when we reached out, one of the things that you said was that you have, you have a bunch of secondary diagnosis yeah. that you received after your COVID infection. So uh-huh. that includes, uh, aortic dilation. Yeah. That's the scariest one. Heart valve damage. Yeah. Um, POTS POTS. Yeah. Uh, M E slash CFS. So Mm -hmm. that's a chronic fatigue syndrome. Is that? Yeah. It's myalgic encephalomyelitis, which is yeah. Colloquially called chronic fatigue syndrome. Yeah. Um, peripheral uh, neuropathy. Yeah. Uh, discoid lupus. Uh-huh. And and post viral arthritis. Now that is a yeah. that is a lot of things, right? Uh, we got yeah. what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven things that I just listed off there. Are they all autoimmune auto uh, related? Well, no. Who knows? Who knows? At this point, it's it's not like not officially. 
but I, the basically I didn't have any of those things going on before I had COVID. Sure. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of again one of the other theories of what creates the long COVID is autoantibodies. So that is like turning on the autoimmune switch. I know that something is happening for me personally with the autoimmune because of the skin diagnosis, mm-hmm. um, which that's been you know, consistent. It's like, I got COVID, I got these rashes. I still have them. They flare up and flare down. And, you know, they, the biopsy calls them that, which is, is it's not super specific. It's just like a kind of broad connective tissue disease. So mm. like my next steps are actually toward medical genetics to see if I have some kind of genetic underlying unknown factor that would, and I'm, I've been trying to participate in as much research as I have the energy for to try and, of course, you know, yeah. again, help the everything. Um, because, and, and I'm really lucky because I got in there early. I had that positive test. I started, so when I didn't recover normally, like after two weeks and I, you know, my symptoms kept evolving and my doctor's like, something weird's going on here. Like, this is not, this is not normal. And then, you know, I did have some relief from the, the kind of really acute stuff going on. I'd like to point out that I never had a fever the entire time, which you know, uh-huh. in the beginning was like the number one thing where they had, you know, they were testing your temperature everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like I never had that. So I don't know, but, um, the, what was I saying? So yeah, I've lost it. Hold on. What were we just talking about? Talking well, about- I, I was talking about the, um, the, all these secondary diagnoses yeah. that you have. And one of the things that I'm curious about is, you know, that I listed off those seven things. Yeah. I'm, I'm imagining that like, uh, each one of those diagnoses came at a different time from one another, right? It wasn't like one day yeah. you showed up and they were like, all right, we're going to do a whole no. full body test. And Oh, look, you totally. got aortic dilation. You got the heart yeah. valve damage. So like, um, you know, you don't have to take us through like uh-huh. when each one came, but like how, how often over the last 18 months were you like coming out of the doctor's office with a new here's sheet of paper, notes. like a new pamphlet, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So here's the polls notes. So I get this virus. I'm quarantining for four weeks. I've got acute COVID for four weeks and then I'm recovering after that. And in my mind, I think, okay, I'm just having a slow recovery, but you know, I have shortness of breath for five months. I can't do anything. Like I can't walk up a flight of stairs, you know, and I can't like even make myself tea. I'm just so depleted and totally fucked up from this virus. And the thing about COVID is somehow it creates this environment where your immune system gets so taxed for some people that anything else that is maybe latent in your body has this chance to reemerge. So I got sick in September and then for the next five and a half months, I'm just actively working on like resting and, and recovering. And I'm slowly making a little bit of progress, but you know, it's still like, I can't, you know, stand up in the shower or if I wash my hair, I have to go nap for two hours afterward. Oh or, my God. You know, it, it was like really full on. Like I, I, by the, by the time I had COVID, my partner um, was living with me. So thankfully I wasn't alone. I would have had to for sure move in with a family member because I wasn't able to feed myself or Holy bathe myself fuck. or anything. Like I was, I thought I was going to die for quite a while because I was just so weak. And it just, I felt like I was just deteriorating 
So um, I got shingles uh, five and a half months after I had COVID, which is actually pretty common. So Epstein-Barr virus uh, reactivations, which is mono, if you ever had mono. So like it can create these reactivations of latent viruses. So for me, that looked like shingles. And once I had the shingles, I suddenly got a host of whole new problems going on. Um, my legs went numb. I could barely walk. I had all this, it was like my feet fell asleep and then they never woke up. Um, so, you know, that then led me, I kept going to the ER over and over again, being like, I don't know what's going on here, but it's not, it's not right. And, um, luckily because I had that positive test and it was early days, I got in with one of the first COVID recovery clinics that opened in BC and they were so helpful for me, you know, because I had this infectious disease doctor that was like, right, here's your massive list of symptoms. We need to send you to this kind of neurologist, that kind of neurologist. We need to send you for a cardiac workup. We need to have a look at, you know, your lungs and a rheumatologist and, you know, go to a dermatologist. So he kind of farmed me out to all the other specialists. Whoa. Did you feel like a science experiment, like when that was happening? Absolutely. And I still do because we still Mm. don't like, I, we still don't know. And, and I'll, it's, you know, my, my, I'm certainly not in that place anymore where like now I can take a shower without having a two hour nap, which is awesome. But to like my level of function 18 months later, and this is with a lot of rehab. Okay. So I have, you know, an occupational therapist, a physiotherapist, like I am so fortunate to have access to all of this, you know, great, um, support, which not everybody has. Um, but this is like long COVID is not something you can just rehab your way out of. It's not deconditioning. It's like something is happening to your immune system that is, I, I don't know how to explain it, but it's like I can feel an ongoing situation in my body that has not resolved. Yeah. Whatever that might be the cause, I don't know yet. Yeah. Like this. Yeah. And I think that's one of the one of the things that like that I hope people hear in this conversation, which is that, you know, at least what I'm hearing from you, Katie, is that long COVID yeah. is it's not just this like prolonged experience of of acute infection symptoms, uh, that takes Mm -hmm. a little bit of time to get over. There's, there is like an entire world of shit that, that Mm -hmm. is, that, that comes with this. And, and the, the unknowns are just so, so deep. Yeah. I I had no idea. It's, it's just, it's wild to think, you know, cause I think a lot, I think, I think that's one of the misconceptions when you hear of, and also, and this also probably has to do with the fact that like long COVID isn't really being talked about that much. Um, like we don't, when you think of COVID, that's the last thing that comes to mind for a lot of people. Um, Mm -hmm. and so when people think of long COVID, they go, Oh, that's like, that's COVID that just lasts a little longer. You know, like, like it's, Oh, Katie had like COVID for four weeks. Okay. So she had long COVID, but it's like, no, no. Yeah. We're, you know, we're, so the definition is you have symptoms that last over 12 weeks, but there is like any person who is kind of, you know, farther down the spectrum of long COVID where I am or worse, it's like, there's a whole evolution of that. So it's like Russian dolls, right? It's mm. like you start off with a virus and then it affects your body. And there's all this kind of secondary damage where it's like, you know, there's a nuclear explosion, but then afterward there's all this fallout. And this all, there's all this lasting stuff that's kind of continuing to go on. Yeah. You, you mentioned, um, post-viral 
syndrome at the beginning. And, mm. uh, and I think of that with like chronic Lyme. Yeah. Sort of, like, I, I guess I'm guessing that that would maybe be the sort of same type of thing where like you get this virus and then afterwards it just wreaks havoc on your body. And it's sort of like, yeah. it's almost like, it seems to me like it's almost like it's just disrupted the equilibrium. And like now, yeah. they, like just a bunch of things seem like they're out of whack and they can't get back yeah. in line or is, in balance. Is there, you, you know, like according to what people are saying out there, whether it be mm. um, anecdotal or like actual data driven science, like is there, are there some folks who are experiencing long COVID and then, and then finding the, the light at the end of the tunnel and like, and, and, you know, quote unquote, fully recovering or, or like, if you get that, if you get that diagnosis of long COVID, are, are you kind of like, you know, in your case right now, looking at your future and going, I really don't know. I don't know. What, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. So I would say both. I think the theory right now is that if your symptoms resolve within three months, um, then you may not have long-term or permanent problem. Like I know some of the damage that's happened, like my heart damage, that's permanent. Like yeah. I can't, I can't reverse it, Yeah, you know? So there's no way that tissue has been, um, affected and I, I can't like, you know, the best thing I can do right now is hope that it's not going to progressively get worse. What, so, what would that do? Like what did, what, what, is slash would that do to you that that heart damage? Mm -hmm. well, you mentioned the aortic. What was is, it called? The yeah. uh, aortic dilation and heart valve damage. <laughs> you said that's real so, bad. So the aortic dilation is maybe a bit of a freaky one. Um, that one concerns me the most at this point because it's like if your aorta continues to dilate and dilate and dilate, it that tissue is weakened. It will tear at some point. You'll die. So oh. the only way to way to, um, help that would be open heart surgery. But if there's a situation in my body that's continuing to like damage my vascular tissue, then even if I had open heart surgery to do, you know, a valve replacement and to fix the A or to put like a, whatever they do in the aorta to strengthen it, it doesn't mean that it won't reoccur. Right. So it's kind of, there's just so many questions right now. My only way of kind of dealing with it is to not future trip too much. Just yeah. be like, okay, right. This is where I'm at. I'm going to try and, you know, do the best that I can with my limited energy and uh, try and, um, you know, read what I can and talk to people and talk to my doctors and provide them with resources, you mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. Um, and just take the best care of myself that I can. How do you, how do you feel about the, about the restrictions lifting across, across the country? Oh, it's an absolute nightmare for me. I mean, from a personal perspective, it's, it's super triggering because I'm trying so hard not to be reinfected because I'm like, okay, I don't, my body doesn't need COVID round two right now. It mm. really doesn't. And so, um, and maybe it would be fine. I don't know. Like I've had three vaccines now, so maybe it would, maybe it wouldn't have a huge impact, but I think, um, it's been really hard on my mental health, just having the, like feeling like the world has, is just kind of moving on regardless of what's happening with, uh, cases or people, um, being sick or the fact that this is still 
a real situation for anybody who has, um, you know, any kind of, of health condition. Um, I, you know, it's this hard thing because it's like, obviously we can't stay in with, with all the restrictions, but something like masks, I just, Mm. for me, I'm like, what's the big deal? Like, can we just wear masks? Like, what's the big deal? I think, I think people don't like masks because it reminds them that there's a threat, Yeah, you know, it's a visual reminder. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping for the best right now. I think, I feel like, again, I'm more educated about what's happening (laughs) with the pandemic because I pay a lot of attention to it. Right. Like I'm looking at the cases and hospitalizations all over the world and like looking at those trends and seeing what's happening in other countries. And so far, everything that's happened in Europe has also happened in North America. It's just Mm. a little bit delayed. Right. And so Mm -hmm. we're looking at everything go back up again everywhere in Europe where they've abandoned all precautions. And so I'm like, well, that's just going to happen here too. It would be nice to get off the treadmill at some point of, Mm, you know, mm -hmm. this kind of, it's like, are they just going to suddenly announce again? Okay. Everything back on, like, you know? Yeah. And (laughs) on like that note with, with your mental health and the struggle, I I imagine that like, especially early on when, when you realized that you weren't getting better, yeah. like how, what did you do in that time to sort of like, try to manage your mental health because like I think something that we've become familiar with hearing is that you know people get sick physically and Uh it becomes about like how do you how do you physically get better but we don't oftentimes pay attention to the toll that it takes emotionally too and so what was that like for you um I have the only thing that's in my power right now, I feel like is to support my nervous system and to support my mental health. So a lot of the stuff going on with my body, like it's, it's kind of, you know, I'm trying different treatments and it's all experimental right now. Right. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what the future is like. I've, I've had to kind of really readjust. Like at this point I'm housebound. I I leave the house about once a week and that's with help. So, you know, I use mobility aids now. Um, I have a four-wheel walker and a cane, but I can only really walk 150 meters without having, like, crazy chest pain and just getting so fatigued I'll be in bed for days. So, wow. like, my ability to, to function and just, like, I, even cooking a meal is, is beyond my capacity right now unless it's really simple. Um, so things I used to take for granted, I just can't do anymore. I've had to really pivot and be like, okay, well, I can't do any of those things. And it's so depressing for me to just think, well, I miss going for a long walk. I miss going for a hike. I miss, you know, um, being able to exercise. Um, I miss being able to cook a meal, but the, what makes me feel better is I'm like, okay, well, what can I like at, at this point with my progress that I have made, which is huge even though I have a long, long way to go, I can still like, I can read now I can write, I can spend some time on screens. Like I just spent all of, you know, pretty much all of 2021 in a darkened room basically. So I have a lot more function now. Um, and even if I I do a lot of like meditating, you know, I read a lot of like Buddhist philosophy. I go to therapy. I, I kind of try and support from 
as many different ways that, as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, because I honestly, I can't be going through all this physical stuff and be depressed at the same time. Yeah. Like it, it's just too much. It's too much <laughs> do, yeah. do you think like once you start to get better that you'll, you'll maybe have to come back and revisit this mentally and do some work on the sort of like grief and mental health sort of trauma that's been built up over this time? I feel like for me, that's been an ongoing, uh, journey. It hasn't, Mm. it's, I I feel like a year in when I had my like one year COVID anniversary and I still wasn't recovered or able Mm. to work or do, you know, a lot of regular things that I used to love. I I definitely got hit with like a big kick of grief. Mm. Um, but it's kind of an ongoing thing where, you know, in right now where I live in Vancouver, it's spring and the seasons are changing and there's like cherry blossoms everywhere. And mm-hmm. I just want to go for a walk, you know? And so I'll feel the sadness of kind of what I've lost from just having an invisible virus, which feels so annoying to me since the world seems to not even care about it anymore. But yeah, I think it will be kind of an ongoing, um, I, I can't at this point, it's hard for me to even imagine what it would feel like to be recovered because I right, am yeah. so kind of used to my limitations um, right. now. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Totally. Um, and, and in terms of uh, there's another thing that I've been really curious about because you mentioned at the beginning of the pandemic, you were living on your own and then you uh, mentioned that your partner yeah. was with you or that you're with your partner. So, what has it been like sort of navigating relationship <laughs> oh, through this too? It's been super hard. Like, I don't mm. think when you're in your mid thirties that you expect that you're going to be, you know, bathing your partner because they're too weak to do it mm. themselves or they're too sick. And again, it's been this kind of strange, slow, ongoing process where in the beginning we thought it was just going to take time. You know, it was just going to be a slow recovery. And now we're like, Oh, am I going to be like this forever? And and what does that mean for the future? Like what would our lives look like? Um, so I think it, it definitely adds a huge strain. Uh, I just tell everyone like, try not to get COVID because you don't want long COVID and mm. you know, it will affect literally every area of your life. Mm. Um, you know, I can't, it's, we have our life kind of in the apartment <laughs> But I don't really live outside the apartment anymore. And I think that's also why long COVID and post-viral illness isn't really a part of the mainstream media conversation or in general with people is because people who get sick, they're just like, they disappear. They disappear because you can't see them anymore because they're just resting and in their houses and in their beds, right? And that, yeah, and that's not sexy news. No. Like like that's... Boring. (laughs) In in terms of, um, I I also imagine that like, uh, as you know, if you're, if you're stuck inside mostly and your partner's going outside and, you know, with, with things opening up, like, is there a challenge around like communicating about like different risk profiles or. Yeah, absolutely. So my partner's a public health nurse, which really kind of is. Is that how you met? No, no, no. They were treating me. (laughs) No, no. We were actually together um, before the pandemic and my partner lived in the UK and was planning to move over in March, 2020, but then our borders shut. So that was like another, yeah. So then we had, 
like six months of struggling to try and get her over here. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, so because she works in public health and she's a nurse, she understands, I think, the risk a lot better. And she's also Mm. seen what has happened to me, you know? And so we're, we're cautious. Um, I do get super envious that, you know, she can go out and like live in the outside world and, you know, play baseball and go hiking and, you know, Mm -hmm. take a road trip or whatever. And I can't do those things right now. I I hope that I will at some point. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, we try and occasionally we struggle a little bit where, um, I don't feel I'm really risk averse because of my experience. Like, I feel like I've got definitely some, you know, PTSD from my COVID experience where I'm like, I don't want to get this again, Mm. but, um, I'm, I'm hoping that as we progress with medical science, um, not only are we going to find uh, like more treatment options and help for people who are dealing with long COVID, we're also going to find uh, ways for this virus to become less dangerous, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. that's already happening, you know, just uh, people are having different experiences now when they get sick versus you know, pre-vaccine. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Katie, what would you say is the biggest thing that long COVID has taken away from you? Oh God. Uh, I I would say my physical ability to like participate in life. Um, I just don't like my energy capacity is so limited now. You know, I can, I can do very, very few things. Um, so it's really hard to live a fulfilling life when you have this tiny battery <laughs> that mm. needs to charge for a super long time to give you this tiny output mm. um, is the best way I can describe it right now. And yeah. What would you say is the biggest thing that it's given you? Um, well, a lot of perspective and grace um, to kind of be with the unknown and also to really, you know, uh, examine mortality and, and how that's something I think in our culture, we really like to push away from as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but there can be some pretty beautiful stuff when you actually lean into it and, you know, realize the fragility of life. Mm. So. Well, Katie, uh, thank you. Thank you for, for taking time out of your, out of your day for, 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 exu- for exerting the energy <laughs> yeah. to sit down and chat with us. Um, yeah. It, yeah. yeah, I mean, it means a lot to us that you, that you used up some of that energy in the bank to, to sit with us and, and open our eyes up to, uh, the fact that this, you know, that this pandemic is not over that, um, that although we're looking at variants that are quote unquote, you know, mild in comparison to yeah. what we were looking at, uh, only a year ago, um, mm-hmm. that this, this is a, this is a very harsh and like harrowing experience for a lot of people who end up, mm-hmm. um, contracting long COVID. And, and so yeah. I, I, you know, I, I think my biggest hope with this, with this episode, um, and, and again, I, you know, the, the, t- right now we have episodes that are in the bank taking mm-hmm. us up to the end of, uh, end of June, early July. And, and this is where this episode was going to sit. Um, but I, we're, we're, we're putting a fast turnaround on this because I, because the restrictions just lifted. And I think it is important for mm-hmm. people just to, just to remember mm-hmm. that like, okay, yes, if, if, if these restrictions lifting is like giving you some 
sense of of normalcy and is and it's lifting the like mental anguish that has been like weighing us down for the last two years that's awesome but don't Mm -hmm. forget like do not forget that this exists it can still fuck you up be Mm -hmm. cautious be considerate be compassionate and and remember that like we're not we're not out of the woodworks yet and and it's going to be a little while before we are. And so I think speaking with you today has been just a really wonderful, gentle reminder that mm-hmm. we need to be the best versions of ourselves right now for the people within our communities. I mean, the, like just throwing this out there, I, you know, like the whole cloth mask thing, yeah. N95s are the way to go. Like if totally. you're going to wear, yeah. if you're going to wear a mask, yeah. wear an N95. And if you're yeah. like, well, I don't really have any N95s. I just bought I just bought some N95s off Amazon. It it was like twenty dollars, and that and I forgot I bought it because it it was like it was going to ship in like two weeks. <sighs> I got a package the other day, and I, I opened my mailbox. And I'm like, what the fuck is this giant package? And I was like, what? It's just it's just it, did I order it, like a bunch of t-shirts? And I opened it up. <laughs> It was like hundreds of N95 masks that I know, dude, I I will give you 50 of them. (laughs) I'm going to be the fucking Johnny Appleseed of 95s of Halifax, just tossing them out. Like just order a batch. And yeah. then you're then you're set for the summer and yeah. and just just use them, you know, and use just an N95. Some rapid tests around, too, because That's right. yeah. it's like the from the, the biggest thing I can say is, is you need that positive test just in case, just yes. in case you need health care that's going to be related to this. And so, you know, take a picture of it. Most provinces have an online portal that you can log your positive result in and call your um, you know, primary care practitioner and just say, Hey, I'm COVID positive. Just so you have a paper trail, because the other Mm. thing is should, you know, God forbid you end up with any ongoing problems or need access to like disability benefits or anything like that. You can't get it if you don't have that paper trail. Right. Right. Well, Katie, thank you. Thanks for the reminder. Thanks for for spending time with us. This has been a real treat. Pleasure. Thank you Mm. so much for talking with me. And good luck with everything. Thank you. Mm. All right, folks, there you go. That was our conversation with Katie. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you took something from it. And uh, yeah, just a good reminder, you know, COVID's still out there. It can still fuck you up. And uh, we need to be careful. We need to be um, compassionate. We need to be understanding. And uh, don't forget to keep some distance. Wear a mask when you should and when you feel like you need to. And uh, wash your goddamn hands, you freak. Um, thanks for listening, folks. Uh, if you want to support the podcast, you can always do that by going to Apple Podcasts and leaving a rating and a review. It only takes a couple seconds. It's always fun to read them, especially when they're really funny. If you want to leave a rating on the Spotify app, you can do that on your mobile phone. And uh, of course, if you want to join the conversation, we talk about episodes. We have a whole channel in our Discord that's all about episode discussions. Or if you're a Wordle freak and you want to share your Wordle, we have a channel for that. Um, Hell, we have a channel called Graphic Content where you can just post really fucked up images of yourself from past surgeries or weird stuff you found on the internet. Um, So uh, join the Discord conversation. You can find the link to join our Discord in the show notes. uh, So be sure to check that out. Sick Boy Podcast is produced and hosted by myself, Jeremy Saunders. 
Brian Stever and Taylor McGilvery. The show is managed by the lovely Jeffrey Lonis at Talent Bureau. Sound design is coming to you from the wonderful province of Prince Edward Island by a man named Donovan the CPAP Morgan. We love you, Donovan. And of course, theme music for these Monday episodes is always coming to you from the now defunct band Take Part. That is it for this week. I'm Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.